Would you all stand with me? Thank you, musicians. You can take your seat. Thank you. Father, as we address your word today, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will address us. We thank you for this country that you have given us. We thank you that you've given us a land where we have had much liberty and freedom of worship over the years. We pray for our nation. We pray for the leaders of our nation. Those we agree with and those we don't agree with. Because together, they all need the sanctifying blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we cover them, both sides of the political arena and everything in between. We ask God that you would extend your hand of mercy on this nation. And Father, forgive us of our sins and let the blood of Jesus not only wash over everyone, but let the wind of your Holy Spirit breathe across this nation and let there be revivals of fire in churches everywhere, not only in America, but in the nations of the world. Father, we pray, let your kingdom be more evident today than it has ever been before. Let your kingdom on earth Take strides forward and let your church shout yes and amen and rise up with the calling that you have destined her with and called her to. Father, we just submit to you today and we ask you, Holy Ghost, to speak to our hearts, to convict our hearts, and help us to continually think as you think, to see as you see, and to feel as you feel. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Thank you. You can take your seats. That's all right. He just wants to preach. Four weeks ago from today, I preached a message called The Perfect Storm. I woke up that Saturday morning with a prophetic word from the Lord. Um, usually I really labor and have to wait on God to get a message, but the moment I woke up, the text, the context, the title, everything. I woke up, and this is an extremely highly unusual thing. I wish it was every, every Saturday. It would be awesome. But God had given me a word about how to walk on water in the face of a perfect storm, how to walk supernaturally in the midst of trouble. And I made a statement uh, four weeks ago from today. This will be the fourth Sunday. I made a statement, and the statement was that I believe that a perfect storm is brewing. It has nothing to do with the incoming government or the outgoing government. It has to do with the fact and the reality that I believe we're in the last of the last days. But I also believe that as far as we go, nothing's changed. We're in the hands of Almighty God. Can I get an agreement? Amen. And so I preached on a perfect storm and how to walk on water in the middle of a perfect storm. The following Sunday, God's hand didn't relent, and I felt to preach yet again a prophetic word called unshakable. And God said once more, everything that can be shaken will be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. And then Paul goes on to say, and he talks about how we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. While everything in the world falls apart, and sooner or later it will, Sometimes it falls apart in this pocket and then later in this nation or in that city or in this country. But sooner or later, God says at one given time, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but the kingdom of God will not be shaken. Can I get an agreement? Today, if you are born again, 
If you have asked Jesus Christ into your heart, then you are part of a kingdom that while kingdoms will come and go, this kingdom will last forever. It is the eternal kingdom of God, and the government of it is built on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. That's why it can never be shaken. Last Sunday I preached uh, again in the same theme, a prophetic word on the banquet table. And I talked about God's banquet tables and how he has a banquet table of, of fellowship. And in Songs of Solomon, it says, draw me to your banquet table of love. Your banner over me is love. God wants to have a relationship with us where we are banqueting with him on a regular basis. I talked about the banquet table of the prodigal son who wanted his inheritance and went his own way and became independent and rebellious. And we know where that leads to, he became broke. And the day he came back to his father, his father uh, opened up the banquet table and had a huge feast. And then I spoke about the banquet table of the wedding of the lamb, the bride, the church, the bride, the church is the bride, and Jesus Christ and how we can make sure that we're all part of that awesome wedding banquet. And of course, I hope you remember, we had tables set out the front with all kinds of food, and we had four lucky, blessed people uh, sitting at that table eating everything that was on the banquet table. I have one last prophetic word today. I believe it's a word to the American church. I believe very much it's a word from God, and it's a word meant to test our focus, check our focus, and maybe, if necessary, alter our focus. I do want to say that next Sunday, I'm starting a series, and this doesn't usually happen, but ever since that Saturday morning when God gave me the entire word, He's been talking to me in advance about what he wants me to say and where he wants me to lead the church. And so the f next Sunday, I'll be preaching a series called O oh, Taste and See. And by the way, many of you have said, oh, I wish I could have tasted that chicken a vegetable soup with the tortellini or the sausages and peppers or the lasagna. So this is what I'm going to do over the next series. Next week, though it's Super Bowl, we're going to do O oh, Taste and See that the Lord is Good. And at the end of the service, we're going to have one of those courses available just in a small portion so that we can have a time of fellowship and a time of enjoying and a time of remembering the Word of God, in a sense, breaking bread together. And those of you who haven't come back to church yet, come on. Come and taste that the Lord is good. If there's one thing that never fails, it's the character of God. And God is always faithful. God is always trustworthy. And God is always good. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Amen. We started this segment with a um, compilation of photos of iconic locations around the United States and things that speak Americana, from football to baseball to lemon ice. And by the way, did you see the lemon ice king at the very end? How many of you recognized it from the prelude on King of Queens? Anyone ever see that show, King of Queens? That lemon ice stand would come up uh, on the prelude just as the, the show is starting. I grew up maybe 10, 15 minutes from the Lemon Ice King. In fact, the church that we grew up in was in a town, a city called Corona. That's not where the virus started. <laughs> I can tell you where the virus started. <laughs> they can sign an executive order all they want that you can't call it the China virus. That's where it originated from. But uh, the point is, I grew up in Corona and uh, went to church there, and the Lemon Ice King was right around the corner. And every week we would go there during the summer and uh, scoff down some fantastic 
lemon ice. America. It's been a country that has been greatly blessed, a country that has been greatly honored, and it has been, and I trust always will be, a country that has done many, many good things. No country has seeded the world with the gospel like the United States of America. I thank God for the good. I pray to God over the things we do wrong, and I thank him for the things we do right, and I am happy to say we do far more right and far more good than we do wrong. We are not a perfect nation, but we are a nation. We started as a nation with a strong faith in God. And as a nation, we look to the God of the heavens. As this nation has grown, as our borders have been opened to welcome many, many people from many cultures, as we've gone from a generation of God-fearing, Bible-walking believers, it's the church's job to make sure the next generation and the next generation is also God-fearing and Bible-walking. And I have, I believe, a word from the Lord, a word not so much as in to predict or to speak forth the future of America, but a word to the American church. You see, we, we, we talk about the American church. God says there is no American church. There's my church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's the church that he birthed, and it's the church that he empowers. And we are the church of Jesus Christ in America, not the American church. Can I get an amen? Because when we're the American church, then we're separate from our brothers and sisters in other countries. We all have the same calling, and that is that we would be the salt of the earth and the light of the world in our respective countries. But the church belongs to Jesus Christ. This is the church of Jesus Christ, and whatever nation we live in, we're going to live to bring that nation to the truth of the gospel. Every citizen, every resident, uh, we, we, the church of Jesus Christ, live and breathe to bring salvation to the people in our nation as well as the nations around the world. Are you with me, church? Amen. As I was praying on this word, I felt very strongly God talking to me about putting too much confidence in the arm of the flesh. What is the arm of the flesh? In Jeremiah 17 verse 5, God says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Let me, let me clarify something about that verse because the initial imagery that we pick up when we, when we read this here and it says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. We immediately think of people who have turned totally away from the Lord and they refuse to believe God and they just trust in flesh. But I want you to understand that when God says that, he was, also, he was also talking to his people. He was talking to the nation of Judah. And they still believed in God to varying degrees. But God's point is, you're looking to the arm of flesh for strength. You're looking to man for your support rather than looking to me. And I want you to understand that when our confidence is in an institution or when our confidence is in a person or when our confidence is something and in something other than Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God, we have in a sense already turned our eyes from the Lord. Am I speaking the truth? You see, when... Jeremiah prophesied those words to his nation and to his fellow men. 
He was talking to the nation of Judah. Israel had already fallen to the Assyrians. And Jeremiah kept prophesying, Babylon's going to overrun you. Babylon's going to overrun you. And we as Americans need to be careful that Babylon might overrun us. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 1, this is, this is what Jeremiah was talking about. How many of you know that the word of God in the Old Testament is just as much the word of God as the word of God in the New Testament? And at times, the things that God did with a people group and what he said to that people group is also relevant to us. And this is what Jeremiah said, Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their heart and on the horns of their altars. Their sins are inscribed on their heart. In other words, their tendency is to do the same thing over and over and over again. It's inscribed in them. Whatever their sin is, it's inscribed on their hearts. They keep coming back to that. They keep turning back to that. He goes on to say, Even their children remember their altars and Asherah poles besides the spreading trees and on the high hills. My mountain in the land and your wealth and all your treasures I will give away as plunder together with your high places because of sin throughout your country. Through your own fault, you will lose the inheritance I gave you. I will enslave you to your enemies in a land you do not know, for you have kindled my anger, and it will burn forever. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes, and they will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. You see, God wants very much that his church is built on the fact that Peter said, Jesus, thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And there isn't anything that tops the title Jesus Christ, the Son of God. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say I am? Some said, they're saying uh, you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. Others said, they're declaring that you're Elijah. And finally, Peter, who was always quick to answer and not always the right answer, out of his spirit, he spoke and he said, Jesus you are the Christ. You're the Messiah we were looking for. You're the hope of Israel. You're the strength. You're the ones the prophets spoke about that we have been longing to see. And he went on to say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He understood that the descendant of David wasn't going to be a physical descendant because then Israel's trust would still be in mere man. He understood that the descendant of David was going to be the very son of God. He didn't understand how that could happen, but he believed it. And he confessed and he said, Jesus, thou art the Christ. You're that descendant of David who's going to set us free. But you are the son of God. To which Jesus answered, on this truth, on this reality, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So what is the arm of flesh to you and me? Sometimes the arm of flesh can be many, many things. But this is what God told me to say today. The arm of flesh can be many things, from self-reliance to many things. But the word of the Lord today is this. The arm of flesh is national reliance. Sometimes we, the church, look more 
to our political leaders and our political system. And trust, David says, I know from whence my help comes from. He says, and I look to the mountain of the Lord. But sometimes we, the church, look a little bit too much to the capital of our nation. All right, it's going to be a quiet one, is it? Doesn't matter, I'm preaching it anyway. Whether you agree or not, I'm a man under commission. I'm going to follow my heart. I think you do agree. But stay with me. Stay with me. Because I believe that the enemy would like to put a false spirit over the church where our eyes look to America more than it looks to who the church is built on, Jesus Christ. National reliance. As a part of national reliance, I have that as number one. Uh, letter A, reliance on our political leaders and our political system. In Psalm 146, verse 3 to 9, David says, Do not put your trust in princes or human beings who cannot save. Can I have that photo that I gave you guys? We look to men. And then we're disappointed when the one we wanted in office isn't in office. I want to remind you who the foundation of the church is. It was never built on anybody else's back and it never will be. It was never built on any other name but the name of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we, the church, become so divided and divisive in our conversations they are not our saviors nor our liberators. I thank God for men who are put in high offices, but even when they're put in the highest office of the land, God says pray for them because they need the help of the church. Hello? God says that the church is meant to be the strength of a nation and that it's the church who's supposed to be supporting them in prayer, not because they're right, but because they need the Holy Ghost to come upon them. David says, don't put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. You can take their photos down and with all due respect to our presidents, I'm not trying to disparage anyone. Verse 4, when their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. When they leave office, the next one comes and undoes what he doesn't like. Their spirit departs. We just had a change of government. The spirit of one team has departed and the spirit of another has come. We put so much faith and confidence in who we're going to elect. You are the church of Jesus Christ. Before you are Americans, you are sons of God. Before we are Americans, we are sons of God. And when we put our hope and our trust in a leader of this party or a leader of that party, what confidence and what security do you have when at the very most, after eight years, there's usually a change of government? And David says... We'll use the analogy of just like they pass away. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. When they leave office, on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Verse 5, but blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything that is in them. He remains faithful forever. You want a good government? Listen to this. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. 
The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. And the Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. For those of you who might be visiting and you're newer to the church all throughout the elections, I encourage the church to use their American rights and privilege to vote. I'm not anti-government. I'm not anti-America. But I think too often we as the church in America failed to realize that we're the answer, not Washington, D.C. And when I say we're the, the, the answer, I am speaking specifically of the fact that when we stand on the name of Jesus Christ and live according to the word, then God hears our prayers. Can I get an agreement? Absolutely. Sometimes our reliance is on our mil military strength. Right now there's a lot of talk. We are the most powerful nation in the world at the moment in terms of military. There's a lot of talk about China coming up and quickly taking that lead away. And as Americans, we take solace in the fact that we're number one. And as Americans, we get a little bit insecure if we're not number one. I thank God for everything that America has been. And I thank God for every veteran that has ever served. I thank God for every man and woman that has ever shed blood or even just shed sweat and tears on foreign soils. I understand that not every engagement we've ever engaged in has been a righteous one and we've made some mistakes. But I thank God for men and women who have served this country, but more than serving a country, they have served the people in this country. And I thank God for the faith, the courage, and the honor that people are willing to lay their lives down, whether it's our police force in the streets, or it's our military on foreign field, or it's the National Guard, or our Coast Guard, or whatever it is, I thank God for men and women who believe in who we are as Americans and have paid a price to keep us at a certain level of peace. Can I get an agreement on that? Absolutely. But sometimes our reliance is on our military strength. What would we do if China were to surpass us? What would we do if Iran went crazier than it is and it's, it was let loose? What would you do as the church in America? Do we become the American church and as America panics, so do we? Or do we remain the church of Jesus Christ that happens to live in America and we get into the trenches of prayer and intercession and confessing the word of God? What church are we? Our strength and our confidence doesn't come from the American military. I thank God for them, but I thank God that God will fight our battles. It says here in Psalm 20, verse 1 and 2, and then I'm going to read verse 6 to 8. May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. That's who your protector is. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. Now this I know, verse 6, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. What shall I fear? What shall I fear? What shall I fear? What would I be afraid of when I know that I have a direct line to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Hallelujah. All I have to do is dial J-E-S-U-S -S, and there are hordes of angels that will come and protect me and protect you. Praise God. 
If you really believe that, I give you permission to stand up, clap and shout and take a two minute break to just bless the Lord. Come on now. Come on. That's where our strength comes from. Thank you, Jesus. Yes! Hallelujah! Stay standing, church, and hear me. I believe in America the beautiful. But America is not our foundation. And it's not our final home. Jesus Christ is our foundation. And I'm living in my final home right now, the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. In the kingdom of God, every other kingdom will disappear. And in the end, the kingdom of God will rule over all the earth. Can I get agreement? Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Reliance on military strength. Verse 2, may he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. Verse 6, now this I know. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary and the victorious power, with the victorious power of his right hand. Verse 7, some trust in chariots. Can I have a picture of one of our chariots? And some trust in horses. Can I have a couple of our horses? They're pretty cool and they're pretty strong. And I am encouraged by the fact that we have the best. But what happens when that day fails? Where goes your faith? I don't trust in the chariots of men. And I don't want you to become so complacent in the strength of what America has become. Because her days aren't guaranteed forever, but the days of the righteous are. Amen. Amen. Why do we get in turmoil with one another? Why are we happy or sad based on who's in the White House? Sure, I have my preferences. I've cast my vote as well. But I did what I can do, and now my eyes are back, not on old glory. My eyes are back on the cross of Jesus Christ. He rose from the dead and defeated death, and in defeating death, he went to the belly of hell, and he faced Satan eyeball to eyeball with all of Satan's minions around. And on that day, his worst human day ever, he took the keys of hell and death and came out of that abyss as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Amen. Our trust, our confidence, our faith is in the Lord. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of our Lord. Amen. Verse 8 goes on to say, they are brought to their knees, those who trust in chariots, those who trust in horses, are brought to their knees and fall. Church, let me give you a word of wisdom. We are the salt. We are the preserving effect on the earth. And if we don't get this right, America will fall. I'm going to say it again. I don't believe that the American church understands how powerful and how important it is in God's economy. I think too often we think too little of ourselves. Because our power is invisible, we don't understand what's inside of us and what's standing in front of us and what's standing around us. According to this verse, when you put your trust in chariots and horses, God will see to it that your, your strength fails. And we, the American church, have got to start thinking of where our help comes from, and it comes from the Lord. 
America might stand. I hope it always stands. America might always be America the beautiful. But there is no written guarantee in the word of God that it will be. But it is written that God will always uphold the cause of his children. And he will always hear the prayers of the righteous. And if we are the salt of the earth, then we're also the salt of the United States of America. And if our confidence is in what this nation is, and what America can do and what America has been and what America has done then we have started to trust in chariots and we've started to trust in horses and because of us America will start to lose its place of power and predominance I read to you in Jeremiah chapter 17 that God said it's because of you you're losing your inheritance. We are Americans. Love America. Be an American. Vote. But anything you do American, 10,000 times more do as a son of God and a citizen of heaven. Thirdly, let us see, sometimes we are reliant. Our reliance is on the economy of this nation. We're going to have that first picture up. All about the stock market and how things are trading, how far ones and everything else. Job says in chapter 31, verse 24 to 28, If I had put my trust in gold or said to pure gold, You are my security. If I have rejoiced over my great wealth, the fortune of my hands that my hands have gained, if I had regarded the sun in its radiance or the moon moving in splendor so that my heart was secretly enticed and my hand offered them a kiss of homage, then these also would be sins to be judged, for I would have been unfaithful to God on high. Sometimes we are so concerned about the government supporting us, the government taking care of our retirement, the government taking care of our medical needs, the government putting food on our tables. Listen, I believe that citizens of a nation pay taxes and the nation should look after its citizens with the taxes as well as the many other things it does. I believe in all of that. But I don't rely on America to be my strength financially, and I'm not looking to America to be my social security. I don't even know if it's going to be there when it's time to take it. My trust is in God, and you and I have got to learn to put our trust in God. I know this, that God knows how to command a raven to feed a prophet. I know this, God feeds the sparrows. And if he can feed the sparrows, he will feed you. It amazes me how I hear from pulpits sometimes, but definitely among many Christians, how people are preparing for the future and they're buying their freeze-dried food and they've got two years, three years worth of protection and they've got their guns and they got their ammunition. I'm not preaching against anti-guns or anything here. What I am saying, what I am saying is none of that is necessary. All three years of freeze-dried food when we know that God can feed the elect with a raven and if he'll feed a sparrow, he will surely feed me. Have you ever noticed how many sparrows there are? Have you ever noticed sometimes out here on the power lines it just fills up with birds? Do you know why there are so many of them? Because I have a big appetite. <laughs> and my father will prepare a banquet table for me even in the face of calamity and he'll send the sparrows out and they will gather up the horde of them, the flock of them will gather up enough food so I don't just have enough to eat, I have a banquet table. Give the Lord a shout of praise. The church 
too often in its attitude, the way we argue about politics left and right. And I've always said I have strong political opinions, but I am first and foremost by a long shot. I am an ambassador of heaven. I don't know how you think, but I know how the Bible tells us to think. The Bible says that you and I are to see ourselves as God's ambassadors. We come from another place. An ambassador goes from a place of origin and is a representative in another place. The Bible says you and I are Christ's ambassadors. This isn't my home, especially the way they wallpapered the walls and decorated this place. This isn't my home. My home is in the presence of my Father, and I am an ambassador on earth. I am not just a citizen of the United States of America. I'm thrilled to be that, but I am ecstatic over the fact that I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. I enjoy my American citizenship, but I boast in who I am in the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Hallelujah. And we, the church, need to see ourselves as God's ambassadors. You're not living on earth for America to make a way for you. America doesn't owe you a thing. But your Father will give you everything. Too often, we the church, we don't realize we're the salt of the earth. The only reason why this place hasn't gone to hell yet is because we're still here. And when I say this place, I mean the whole world. On that day when Jesus comes back and he raptures his church, and he surely will, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, when that which is holding the Antichrist back is taken out, then he will be let loose on the face of the earth. You get afraid. We get afraid of one peeny weeny little demon. The Antichrist himself can't make a showdown until God raptures his church and takes up the Holy Spirit as well. Do you understand your purpose for sucking in air? Do you understand your reason for being alive? Do you understand why you live in America? You live in America to be the salt and to be the light and to be, <coughs> excuse me, the vehicle through which the Holy Spirit can bring a great move of God. Hallelujah. We're here to make petition for the government, whether it's on the left or on the right. We're here to make intercession so that through our undivided prayers, our unprejudiced prayers, our undisgruntled prayers, if they're about to make a bonehead decision, the church of Jesus Christ unilaterally is praying in the Holy Ghost so that they will be led and guided by a force they don't even know or understand. Am I preaching yet? Have I made a decent point yet? I love this country. But America is not my confidence. Jesus Christ is. The church is looking to the right governmental party to be the catalyst for healing in our land. I'm going to say it again. The church, if the people you wanted in government are in government, you're happy. And if the people you wanted in government aren't in government, you're unhappy. And everybody's waiting for the next election to either overturn or reinstate. The church looks to the right government to be the catalyst to heal our land, but God is looking for the church to be the catalyst so that he can heal the land. Hallelujah. 
if we're going to stay biblical, if we're going to be scriptural, while we hold on to our American culture, let's hold on to it with just two fingers and let's hold on to the culture of the kingdom of God and his word with both our arms. Can I get an agreement? This is what the word of God says. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. God heals the land in response to the voice of the church of Jesus Christ. God heals our land, America the beautiful. God will heal the land when the church realizes that Washington DC isn't our God, isn't our hope, isn't our savior, but we need to turn from our reliance on other things and turn back to be totally reliant on him. And when we adjust our mindsets and adjust our hearts and adjust our attitudes and adjust the conversations we engage in, when we humble ourselves, the church becomes the catalyst through which the Spirit of God can swoon over this nation like an eagle, like a dove. Take any imagery you want. Make it American if you want, like an eagle. He'll swoop over this nation and he'll bring the refreshing rains of the kingdom of God. And everyone said, that's how it is. Come on, that's how it is. I speak to the American church, that church that's here and that church that's watching, whether it's five people or 5,000 people. I believe that this is a word from God to the American church because America's future does not lie in the balance of Washington, D.C. Quite honestly, the American future lies in the balance of the church of Jesus Christ and whether or not it'll get its head out of politics enough to get its knees at the altar and pray and seek God on a regular basis. I know you can say to me, Pastor, there was so much prayer before the election. I want to see how much prayer there is after the election. Do you know that most of our prayer before the election was party prayer? We were praying for our party to get in. God didn't say to pray that. He said, pray for all your leaders. I have, I have political preference. You'd be a fool if you didn't think I did. And I have strong opinions, but I lay my opinions down. And I come to the altar, and I come to the Savior, and I come to Jesus Christ, because any confidence in any man is the beginning of a demonic deception. Our confidence is in God, and only God can heal this nation. In Matthew chapter 16, after Peter made this confession, he said, thou art the Christ, the Son of God, Jesus said. I'm going to build my church on that. And Peter, I am going to give you and the boys the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in the heavens. You see, the way we get so angry when we don't have the political outcome that we were hoping for convinces me that we don't really believe those verses. I've heard a preacher on TV, someone gave me a link, listen to these guys, I listened, I was very disappointed. I heard one preacher get up and say, when we reform the government of the United States of America, then we'll have revival. No! When we have revival in the church of Jesus Christ, we'll affect the nation. That's the pattern and the principles of God. Hallelujah. It's not the government that's going to make way for revival. It's the church. Maybe you've not seen what happens when a mass of people start praying without prejudice. And start praying, God, we need your help. We've sinned. 
We've put our confidence elsewhere. Whoever's in the government, in the, in the White House, doesn't matter. Father, we need you. And when we start to pray, God can use a donkey. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You see, when it comes to the political status of this nation, we start binding political leaders and political parties. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers of darkness. And sometimes God will use a Nebuchadnezzar. Sometimes he'll use a Cyrus. And sometimes he'll use a king who is not friendly to the church. Because sometimes the church needs to get kicked in the line. Do you know that sometimes God allowed warring, horrible kings to come to Israel and to Judah because they would not get themselves moved into a position of repentance? God forbid that be the case. There's one way to make sure that will never be the case. And that is that we stop being Americans first and foremost and we start being sons of God, first, foremost, and last. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hang on. I said, the way we can stop that from happening, that is, foreign kings kicking our butt, is by stop being Americans first and foremost, and by being sons of God, first, foremost, and last. We don't understand the power that's in us. That when I pray an unprejudiced prayer, when I pray a prayer and I submit those words to the will of God and I say, God, just help. I'm not looking to one side or the other. I'm not asking you to kill this guy or knock this guy off. I'm not asking you to oust anybody. I'm saying, God, you know best, and I know that you have the answers and you have the power. We look to you. And when we pray unbiased prayers, God, without biased or prejudiced, will answer all of us. And we'll get the answer of the Lord. Amen. Can I get an agreement? Come on, let's stand. I love this country. I love living in America. People hear that I've lived in Australia for 29 years and immediately it opens up an entire conversation. People want to know all about Australia. It's a unique country. It's a fun country. But I'd rather live in America than in Australia. I've raised, I brought my kids here to raise them here but hear me I love this country but I love it so much that I will not put it on a pedestal I love it so much that I will not betray my duty to it by becoming so fascinated in what she can do because the moment I take my eyes off of the throne of heaven I have abdicated my responsibility to this country. Understand, you and I are called to be the intercessors of this land. You and I are called to be the warriors who will stand and be on guard. You and I are the ones that are holding this nation together. Don't let anybody fool you. And if you don't believe that, then you don't believe the Word of God. Paul makes it very clear. The Antichrist cannot make his debut till the church and the Holy Spirit are taken off the face of the earth. You're the salt. You know why I put salt on my meat? It pulls out the flavor. And America, as great as it has been, its flavor is lost right now. Its flavor is hidden. 
And God has you in this nation, not so that you get your head so full of politics that you can't pray an unbiased prayer. God has you in this nation so that you keep your heart right. And don't get caught up with the news. Don't get caught up with everything else that's happening. And put your eyes on Jesus Christ and know that He is the one who will make you walk on water in the middle of a perfect storm. He is the one that will keep you stable and secure when all the nations of the world are shaking. His kingdom is unshakable. And He is the one who will set out a banquet table in the midst of adversity and calamity. But we must understand He's the one. Jeremiah, when he talked about trusting in mere flesh, he said to Judah, he said, this is your inheritance, but you have forfeited it. It's written on your heart. You keep going back to your ways. Turning from the Lord doesn't mean I absolutely reject Him. Turning to the Lord means I run to Omar to help me when I'm in trouble rather than running to God when I'm in trouble. He wants to be Jehovah Jireh, your supplier, your provider. He wants to be Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you and delivers you and makes you whole again. He wants to be the Lord who is the center of your attention and He will be the answer to all of your needs. And I think in many ways, we as American Christians, individually and personally, need to have a slight recalibration of focus. And just like Job said, if I praise the wealth of my own hands, And if I kiss the hand of silver and gold, then Father, I deserve to be judged unfaithful. Let's each and every one of us come before God and remind ourselves that He alone is God. And heaven and earth are held in place by His decree. If you want help, he's the place to go to. Can I get an amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for the privilege of living here in the United States of America. With all of its (laughs) shortcomings, it is a great place to live. And I thank you for freedoms that we have. I hope we always have them, and I know we may not. But Father, help us, the Church of America, to now turn around and be to America what America needs. Help us to realize that America's greatness came out of the fact that its founding fathers were God-fearing. America became great because the church in America was great and was God-loving and focusing. Help us to realize we're trying to resurrect America and make America great again. When, Father, we really need to be resurrected in us, the church. I pray, God, that whatever you hoped to accomplish through this word, that you will speak to the heart of all of us and that we will see ourselves the church of Jesus Christ as the answer to the government on the left and on the right. We are the answer when we humble ourselves and pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I've talked a lot about the kingdom of God today. Jesus makes it very clear there is an invisible kingdom at work. By the way, The problem with trusting in the arm of flesh is that it could get broken. But when we repent, God will heal even the arm that had to be broken. 
and he'll make it whole again. And he'll make it new again. But we live in a kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, today I welcome you, I encourage you to seriously consider your life and to sign up for the greatest kingdom in the world with the one and only king for eternity, Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible makes it clear. Every one of us needs a savior. Every one of us needs help. We're all broken. It doesn't matter how much Maybelline we use or the best cosmetics, lipsticks get body parts sucked out here and there and nipped and tucked and altered. It doesn't matter how much we go to the gym. It doesn't matter how much we diet. It doesn't matter how much we educate ourselves. Deep down, the fabric of who we are, all of us are broken. We need a Savior. And His name is Jesus Christ. With every eye closed right now, if you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart I want to tell you he accepts every color every tongue, every race and every kind of sinner there isn't a color that goes too deep in your skin and there isn't a sin that goes too deep in your life that will make Jesus reject you he says I stand at the door of your heart today I'm knocking I want to come in and have a banquet that's what he says I want to come in and sup with you I want to have fellowship with you I want to eat with you God's all about banquets God the father not the mafiosa kind the heavenly kind if you've never asked Jesus in your heart quickly raise your hand so I want to ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart Wherever you are this morning, quickly raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Pray for me. I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. Those of you that are watching by live screen right now, wherever you are, in your living room, wherever you are, just raise your hand. I know no one else might be around you. I can't see it, but God does. Raise your hand and repeat this prayer after me. Everyone repeat this prayer. Dear God, I believe you love me. I believe you're committed to me. I believe you want to give me a new life. I admit I'm broken. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. Jesus Christ, I believe you are God. And you died on the cross to take my place. I can't imagine why. But Jesus... I welcome you to come into my heart. Forgive me. Oh, God, forgive me of all of my sins. Jesus Christ, make your home in my life. I need you. More than I understand, I need you. And I welcome you today and forever. Be my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, and you meant that prayer, please come and see me after the service or one of our pastors, Pastor Tom or Pastor Jan or Pastor Steve or Pastor Amy. We'd love to just spend a couple of moments praying with you. To the rest of you, God bless America. Because America needs to be blessed. It's been a great country. It's staggering somewhat. It's faltering. It's now for the church to get back in a focus and divine order and realize why we're here. Let's repent and pray and look to the heavens from whence our help comes. Amen. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach on, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going to have some food sampling and fellowship afterwards. If you're watching by live stream, I encourage you to come to church, but don't just come for the food at the end. Come to church, all right? 
eat bread with us in here, and then we'll break bread out there. God bless you guys. I love you. I love you. I love you. And let's keep praying to God to make America Holy Ghost filled. Amen.